You are making the world a better place by listening to the Joy of Living podcast. This is your guide to achieving a more purposeful, powerful, and positive life. Join Barry Shore in unlocking the best version of you and becoming happier, healthier, and wealthier. And now, here's your ambassador of joy, Barry Shore. Good day, beautiful, bountiful, beloved, immortal beings, and good-looking people. Remember, you're good-looking, because you're always looking for and finding the good, and we found good in abundance with our amazing guest, Peter Nolan, who is our perennial favorite. Actually, thank God he comes on more than once a year. He comes on twice a year, and he's the most requested person that I've had on the podcast. We've been podcasting now. We have over 4 million downloads, and he just um, he's the winner. And the reason that you tuned in is because you know that on this show, we discuss the three fundamentals of life. And these three fundamentals of life enable you to be happier, healthier, and wealthier because you're listening to The Joy of Living with your humble host, Barry Shore. And the three fundamentals of life are, number one, life, your life has purpose. And when you lead a purpose-driven life, number two happens. In this case, a good number two. You go mad. Mad stands for make a difference. And the third fundamental is to uncover the power and the secrets of everyday words and terms. Simple example. Right now, you are joined by 348,622 people around the world. And everybody's listening over this remarkable platform called the Internet. Ask anybody, what does WWW stand for? Invariably, it has to do with the internet, of course. And factually speaking, they're correct. Now, in our world, the world of the positive, purposeful, powerful, and pleasant, WWW stands for what a wonderful world. And what is a word, right? W-H-A-T-A, what a wonderful world. And on this show, you know that we discuss these processes that enable you to live your life to the full. Again, be happier, healthier, and wealthier. Whenever you hear, by the way, um, WWW, What a Wonderful World, that song from Louis Armstrong, Satchmo, which has gone around the world and not just touched tens of millions, a hundred millions, but billions of people on the planet. What do you do right away? You can't help it. You smile. Now, smile is one of the most important words you could have internalized, utilized, and leverage in your life because smile stands for seeing miracles in life every day. Seeing miracles in life every day. Now, I, I got to tell you, people, uh, when I do my shows recently, thank God, no more COVID, no more masks, lots of energy, hugging. I had 1,176 people at an event recently. And we're talking about Barry Shore and Smile. And I see people raising their hands, hey, Barry Shore, Barry Shore, I've been up for hours where I haven't seen any miracles. And I asked them, are you here? Can you hear? Can you stand still? I can't do that. Can you walk? I can barely do that. You have water to drink, you have food to eat, you have a place to sleep, you have family, you have friends. Every single one of those is a miracle. You know what the proof is? Simplest proof. A million people didn't get out of bed this morning. You know why? They died. By definition, if you're watching or listening, you didn't. <laughs> you, know, you, have, you have an obligation now to live life to the full. And that means really understanding what it is that you can do to make a difference in the world. And that's part of the reasons why Peter Nolan joins us, because he's talking about money. And everybody likes to listen to money and, and what's going on and what's happening and what we can do about it for our benefit. 
And that's really a great thing. Now, I'll tell you a quick story about Barry Shore. Thank God we have hundreds of thousands of people listening here, always in, in bringing family and friends, and God willing, we'll be over 500,000 people listening in the next few months. But the story of Barry Shore is very simple. I'm standing up in the morning, hale and hearty, impotently tall buildings in a single bound. That evening, I'm in the hospital, totally, completely paralyzed from the neck down. It's called a quadriplegic, not an automobile accident, not a spinal injury, a rare disease, which I never heard of the day before, took over my body and rendered me completely paralyzed. I could only communicate by blinking my eyes. I was 144 days in the hospital. I was in a hospital bed in my own home for two years. I couldn't turn over it by myself. Four years in a wheelchair. I had braces on my legs, my hips, and my ankles. That was progress. Thank God today I'm vertical and ambulatory with the help of a seven-foot walking wand. So I'm a triped, not a biped. I still can't walk up a stair by myself. I can't walk up a curb by myself. And I have help 12 hours a day, seven days a week. But you hear my voice, positive, purposeful, powerful, and pleasant. And it's all because of this one word, smile, seeing miracles in life every day. I got to tell you a quick story. <laughs> my eight-year-old niece comes over to me a few weeks later. She says, Uncle Barry, Uncle Barry, can we spell smile? S-M-I-E-L. I thought about it. Smile, smile, sounds the same. Why not? I asked her how come. She says, because then it would stand for seeing miracles in everyday life. Out of the mouth of an eight-year-old, what was she doing? She was creating the kind of world she wants to live in. Create is a fabulous acronym that stands for causing rethinking, enabling all to excel. That's really the, the greatest aspect of being human, the ability to look at things and rethink a position and shift your perspective. Now, shift is a wonderful word. I've been working with people for more than 42 years, and I can tell you, 97.2% of all people I work with drop the F in shift, and the other stuff happens. So you're going to be F and careful with your Fs. And the genius of this is because once you understand how you can shift your perspective, it's just a slight shift in perspective, you can now internalize the six most important words you ever hear and learn. Choice, not chance, determines your destiny. Choice, not chance, determines your destiny. So let's choose to use the two most powerful words in the English language three times a day from now and the rest of your life. And you do this, you'll be happier, healthier, and wealthier. So will your family, your friends, and all living beings. And these two words, of course, are thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks stands for to harmonize and nurture kindness. To harmonize and nurture kindness. The Dalai Lama is a quote is saying, be kind whenever possible. As he says, always possible. So imagine you're going to your coffee shop and you order a fancy latte, you sit down, somebody brings it to you, say thank you. You go to the coffee shop and you order a fancy latte, a few minutes go by, nobody bought brings it to you. You go to the counter and say, I'm sorry, we forgot, we'll bring it. And you sit down, a couple more minutes go by, somebody brings it, you still say thank you. You're walking out of the coffee shop. It's raining out, and somebody holds the door open for you. You say, thank you. You're walking out of the coffee shop. It's raining out, and somebody slams the door on you. You say, thank you. You're late for an appointment. You're stuck in traffic. Somebody cuts you off. You say, thank you. You get to the middle of the night, and you stub your toe, and it hurts. You say, thank you. To harmonize and nurture kindness. Kind is a fabulous word that stands for keep inspiring noble deeds. I can't think of anybody, anybody that inspires noble deeds, inspires me, noble deeds, and talking about money and economy and life than our dear friend Peter Nolan. Peter, please say hello now to 352,819 people around the world. How are you? Good to see you, Barry. Good to see you, everyone. 
Thank you. Thank you. As I said in the introduction, Peter is the most requested guest that I've ever had on the podcast. And I've had some, thank God, some major people. And the, ma the two main reasons are, number one, because he's straight shooter. And number two, he knows what he's talking about. Uh, the briefest of backgrounds about Peter, I've mentioned many times before, and you'll find all of this, by the way, in the notes, the show notes. Uh, just go to barryshore.com, B-A-R-R-Y-S-H-O-R-E, barryshore.com. Everything you want to know about Peter is going to be there, and the show will be there so you can listen again, share it with five friends so we can touch a million and a half people, and just get into what we're about to discuss today because – Peter's background is, is quite remarkable. He started out at a very small college in um, northern New York. He was able to transfer in his sophomore year to a prestigious college called Cornell, where he did very well. And But when he graduated, it was a difficult time. He might even talk about that in the business world. And yet he, he uh, did well and continued to do well because of mindset. I'm saying this about Peter, mindset. He used his ability to understand that if he worked hard and was diligent, good things will happen because that's the nature of life. It's called the law of attraction. Came to California, got involved with a remarkable company called Leonard Green, which now I think touches $50 billion in um, equity fund management. And then Peter went off and he's still involved with them, but he went off on his own and through his family foundation. He is a businessman who owns, along with his partners, businesses. So he's talking about running functional businesses. He's not an economist. He's not studying the economy. He's living it. So with that as an introduction, Peter, I'm going to say two things. One of them is, first of all, thank you for being here. And number two is that we are so au courant. Now, we're pre-recording. This show is going to be uh, sent out to the world on July 4th, which will be great because it's the celebration of the greatest country in human history. Um, but we're also so au courant because just yesterday, the president of the United States, Mr. Joe Biden, announced his great program called Bidenomics. <laughs> And he said he's out there to convince people that what you're actually seeing is not true. I'm saying those words. That what this really is a great economy, you just need to appreciate it. And I'm going to show you how to appreciate it. Now, of course, he's gotten some flack. And we call it Bidenflation is really the world. But I want to just throw this right to you, Peter. Again, you're the owner of businesses. And we know that things are tough right now. What do you think of when you hear the president of the United States touting his economic policies? Well, I, I, I think, thanks, Barry, first uh, for having me. But uh, uh, when, I, when I hear the politicians that talk about the success of their policies, it really doesn't square with what we're seeing out there uh, in the economy. And so there's, there's a, a clear disconnect. And I guess... I guess you, you do things like uh, uh, coin a phrase for your economic plan to convince uh, relatively uninformed voters of what's going on. Um, but, you know, I think the economy, look, I've been very negative. I've been very negative for. Oh, say it again, Peter. Yeah, I've been I've been fairly negative on the economy for some time now, Barry, and I've been you know wrong. Uh, 
the, the I thought the economy was going to be worse than what we're seeing. Uh, I thought that uh, the moves by the Federal Reserve uh, and the spike in interest rates would have a greater impact uh, on the market than, than we're seeing. And, um, and so uh, it's so far, the U.S. economy has weathered uh, everything that's been thrown at it um, better than I anticipated. But, you know, the economy is, is certainly it's not robust. There's uh, uh, interest rates are having a, a significant impact. Hasn't really impacted employment yet but it seems to be coming. I mean, you, you see company after company having significant layoffs. Um, but, but still, you know, it's not that easy to hire people. So it's sort of a, you know, I guess I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. Um, you know, unemployment is low. Uh, interest rate, people are getting laid off and it's difficult to hire people. It, it doesn't quite make sense. Uh, I think, I continue to think that uh, uh, this interest rate rise and, and even just yesterday, the Fed telegraphed that there could be more interest rate increases uh, coming in, in the next uh, several months. Um, I think that interest rate rise has still not felt its way fully through the economy. And when it does, um, I think it'll be, I think it'll be difficult. I don't, I'd say we're not in a, you know, everyone debates what's a recession when, when, when uh, you know, real GNP or, or GDP growth uh, declines. But I would say we're not quite in a recession right now, but I still feel there's a good probability we're, we, we could be in the next, you know, call it six months. So let's take a, a look at a few things that you said, because I'm going to I say this with respect, of course, and a smile on my face. Number one, again, one of the reasons that I love speaking with you and working with you and other people also is you use three words that no politician would ever say, even though, as you said, you were speaking out of both sides of your mouth, so you were the classic politician. Uh, but you said, I was wrong. In other words, I, I, we have the recordings, and, and it's true. Six months ago, we were talking, we were talking about the R word and that it's, it's almost inevitable, and yet the, the stock market, in terms of being robust, is defying anything. Now, you cannot defy reality forever, but at the moment it is. And if you just take a look at data, let's, I'm going to throw you a couple of things, because again, I, I always bone up before we, we meet. And the first 15 months, or the 15 months, yes, of uh, President Biden's uh, presidency, his administration, the economy grew by a robust 1%. It was actually 0.9% for the first uh, 12 months and a little over one plus in the, in the past three months that we have data for. So it's just over 1%. To put that in perspective, that is less than the economy grow, growth, less than Canada, less than India, less than China. So we are the biggest industrialized nation in the world, and therefore that's one of the reasons why we still have a stock market that's functional and growing up. But our growth, our, our grade of growth is anemic at best. That's number one. Number two, real wages for working people have not kept up with inflation. Now, inflation by the 
government is approximately 5.3 or 5.4%. But if you walk into any store and you buy something on a regular basis, you know that inflation is somewhere between 7 and 8%. So these yeah, are- I, I, do, I do think it's, uh, and we're seeing this in, in uh, we're seeing this in, in sort of businesses that we have. I, I do think that, for example, food costs are not rising and in, in some instances, they're now declining uh, in certain categories. A fun fact, and, and there was an article in the Wall Street Journal to this effect, is that um, today, today, the, the herd of beef cattle in the United States is the same size that it was in 1960. And, and you know, why is that? Well, you've had... You've had drought conditions, not this year, but in the last couple of years in the Western states. But you also had drought conditions in the Midwest. And, and what, what ranchers will do is that if there's poor grass, they'll sell off, they'll sell off their cattle. Because if you have, and I know a little bit about this, if, if you have cattle, um, it, it's very, very difficult to justify growing uh, feed to feed them. Most cattle are, are they graze, um, uh, particularly in the Midwest and in the West. So they just graze on the grasslands that happen to be there. Uh, if you actually have to go buy hay or buy feed to, to feed your cattle, everyone talks about grass-fed beef, right? Most beef is grass-fed until uh, about uh, six months before the slaughter. You know, because most most cattle just graze on uh, on uh, the open land, and and so, anyways, uh, what happened is ranchers uh, shrank their herds uh, as a result of the drought. So, as a result of that, the uh, if you look at the value of cattle today, it's up about seventy six percent. So that. So if you go to your store, your beef prices are going to be very high. They're going to be high for a while, I suspect. But if you look at other commodities, we are seeing the other commodities start to decline. Um, and, and you just have to imagine that, that, you know, given what's going on with interest rates and everything else in the economy, and as you pointed out, real wages, uh, people are scaling back, they're trading down, uh, those sorts of things. Because uh, what's happened is, is that we have seen a decline in what, what you would call real wages. That, that your dollar, you know, it doesn't matter how many dollars you have. It matters what you can buy with those dollars. And right. what, as a result of inflation, you can buy less. And that's why, that's why people are pretty cranky about the economy right now. So let's talk about inflation now. And again, uh, I heard a WAG mention after Mr. Biden announced Biden economics or Bidenomics, whatever they're calling it. He said they should really call it Biden inflation because that's what it is. And right. you mentioned that there's a double whammy. A, there is inflation. Whatever the number is, inflation by definition decreases the value of your money, no matter who you are. <laughs> you, right. It just... It, it, that's just a, a law. It, it, it decreases every year. And even if it's only 5.6%, well, in 12 years, prices double. They have to. It's just the nature of arithmetic. By the same token, as you mentioned, Mr. Powell says, we will be raising interest rates. He, he spoke in Europe 
not here, he spoke in Europe and he mentioned that he sees somewhere between one and two times he's going to be raising interest rates right. in the coming months, in the six months. So that the damper upon us is uh, bringing out what I call the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And we know the four horsemen of the apocalypse in the biblical sense are death, famine, war, and conquest. Now, interestingly enough, there is a war in the world. Uh, thank God um, there is no famine, especially in the United States of America. And as you pointed out, thank God some, even some food commodities like eggs, eggs were skyrocketing. Eggs, thank God, have come down a tremendous amount. And I believe that it's not just because of production, but I believe because people understood that if you make it so that people can't have that which they want every single day at a reasonable price, there is great unrest. I mean, we're talking about real unrest in the world. And eggs are such an important commodity when in everything that's made. But, but Barry, you're sort of, it sounds like there's a central planner that does that. And that's not the case, right? That's the, the central planner is the market. Yes. You know, every, if the markets are allowed to function, that's what they, that's what they do. So like, for example, um, the price of eggs has gone up. We, we happen to own a farm supply business and at the farm supply business, they sell uh, chicks, baby chicks, and they sell uh, all the stuff you need to raise chickens. And so we've seen an explosion in demand for, uh, for baby chicks and chicken feed and, and all the, all the associated products to raise chicken so that, you know, the market, the market speaks, the price of eggs go up and people say, well, maybe I can grow my own. Now I don't think you can grow your own cheaper than, than a, 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 a farmer, a sophisticated farmer can, but still people will say, well, I'm just going to raise my own eggs. So I don't have to pay the price at the grocery store. And it also gives them, Look, it's fun and, and, you know, you're kind of connecting with nature. So various reasons you do it. But just getting back to your point, I, there's no one that says, hey, we're going to have unrest um, unless, uh, you know, the price we control the price of eggs. And what, what will happen, and, and we've seen this at times, we see this in different economies around the world. It happened, I remember um, in, uh, in, in my lifetime, uh, it was a Republican president. President Nixon enacted wage and, and price controls. Right. And what you saw were critical shortages. Uh, you, that's when you had the gas lines. That's when you had, you know, real issues, real supply issues. And so, you know, I, I'm I'm very wary of when a government and, and you see this, you see this and obviously around the world when governments decide, OK, uh, this, uh, you know, I was reading an article about Australia where, where they put in, you know, price controls on natural gas because people were complaining natural gas is too high. Well, what happens is, is it, it will work in the short term, you know, because the producers have no choice, but eventually they'll stop investing in, in new facilities and new exploration and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and then you wake up and you just have an acute shortage, um, so, you know, I, I think that I think that what's happening in the marketplace is people are trading down. Um, I, I mean, go to a, go to a restaurant. I mean, it's 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 extraordinarily expensive. You know, if you go to McDonald's or someplace like that, it's it's, it's not that bad. But even so, 
you know, restaurants, the restaurant prices are up significantly because all the inputs and labor. Right. So I was going to ask you, take even the QSR world, quick service restaurant like McDonald's, who are, they are so good at understanding the value of a penny. And yet they are getting hurt, touched and hurt. I'm saying the, these words, especially in a place like California, which you know very well because you own business in California. Yeah where California begins to do what you just said, it's a state, it's a government and beginning to try to mandate certain things that by definition hurt a certain industry. In this case, the QSR, the quick service restaurants, the, the legislature is about to enact. And I think they may actually have done this already uh, where unions will now control more of the process of wages and therefore the the pressures on an owner of something and by the way most of the franchise owners in california over the past 35 years were minority people right immigrants and and, and and thank god they got did very well people were buying one two three and and became wealthy from it and now it's shrinking because again as you just said Government gets involved and touches anything, in my humble opinion, things go the opposite way. So right now you have, uh, I'm going to mention it because you're in the state of New York, but you're not in New York City. And now New York City wants to mandate certain things when it comes to the way pizza is uh, made in right. certain places. Right. I mean, you know, we laugh at it, and yet th this is that terrible invisible hand but not the invisible hand of the market it's the visible hand of the government right right well the government what's interesting you know i was actually had dinner last night with a friend of mine who's a who's a county legislator in, in new york state and i said you know uh, i didn't know gas stoves were bad if not for the last eight months right you know where, where did that come from <laughs> I mean, yeah Hey, Peter, where does that come from? Please tell me. I'd like well, to know. I, you know, I mean, I really haven't studied it, so, so I don't know. But certainly someone gets the idea. It's like, okay, we need to regulate this aspect of people's lives. And, you know, I think that, I think that that's, uh, that's going on. You know, it's, it's uh, uh, people in power and the government have a very, very rabid beliefs about uh, how things should happen. And uh, one thing they've decided is like with pizza, you know, they decided that the only way, the only way you can should be able to cook a pizza is with an electric heating device of some sort, right. You know, you can't use gas, you can't use wood, you can't use coal. Um, and so, you know, a lot of your, uh, pizza makers, I mean, the whole pizza industry, you know, probably 90 plus percent of the pizzas are cooked on gas but what they want to do is is eliminate all that. They want it. What they want to do is they want to burn gas in the power plant to supply electricity to cook your pizza. In the <laughs> right. I, I want everybody to understand what Peter's doing. He's laughing right now, or he's smiling because he's saying if you looked at the reality of what the the extremists want, it, it's almost against what they're doing because they want to burn tremendous amounts of gas to create electricity so that you could only cook, let's say, pizza with electricity. But you're using far more gas than any number of pizza places would ever use. Right, 
Right. It, 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 again, it's it, it's laughable, but it's that process of trying to control. And this is really what we're talking about because you, you're in business. You own um, you own some pizza places. I do. In California. In California. Now, do you have a challenge today that was that you was unforeseen even 24 months ago? Well, we haven't been hit with the gas thing yet. I guess that's that's to come. But you know, I, I would say, look, there, we've had uh, uh, you know really acute labor shortages, uh, a lot of uh, wage mandated wage increases in cities. For example, um, uh, we have a, a restaurant in West Hollywood. And West Hollywood has a minimum wage, which is different than the state or city minimum wage uh, of $19 an hour. And that, look, that sounds great. I, I, I hope, I hope uh, we could pay people, you know, 19, 20, $25 an hour, but you live in, you live in a, a competitive reality and you can only afford to a charge your customers so much in order to pay for the food, the raw materials, the rent, the insurance, and what we're seeing, um, what we're seeing in California in particular is just a, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, hidden costs have exploded. Probably one of the bigger challenges has been litigation. Uh, you get these uh, uh, just you know uh, people that will uh, send you letter threatening to sue you over. Uh, ADA compliance, which is, uh, you know, American with Disabilities Act compliance, like, you know, someone, and, and it's usually a lawyer gets someone to come in with a wheelchair and they, they discover that we, we had one situation where uh, the lid holder for uh, sodas was too high. So, you know, you, you reach up I guess you reach up to grab the lid and they concluded it was too high and therefore they sued us uh, under the American with Disabilities Act over the location of our lids. Now, if, if that person had, you know, genuinely couldn't reach a lid and they just asked any one of the, our associates to go get a lid for them, of course they would have, you know, but that's a basis for threatening a lawsuit and what, what, you do as a business owner is you settle, you know, you move, you move the lid container lower, I guess. And, and, but you also have to settle with the person, the person's lawyer, not the person who brought the suit. And that, so, that's been a, that's been a real challenge. Okay. I'm going to put you on pause here for a moment. I'm going to use a word and then we'll come back and talk about it more. And I call that extortion. Now you don't have to agree, but I just called that extortion. And I happen to know something about the ADA because I am one, right? <laughs> you and everybody knows. I, I Barry, forget. <laughs> you know, Barry Shore, thank God, because of the ADA, I have when my assistant wheels me in the wheelchair, but every uh, curb has a ramp. Well, that, I'm glad that it exists. But this to me is so egregious. But we're going to just do a quick break because we have people that sponsor our show. They love us and we urge you to love them and utilize their products and services. So we'll be back right after this brief message. Don't go away. There's more Peter Nolan coming and we're going to talk about real stuff like he is. So we'll be right back after this brief message. Imagine the kind of place you would want to shop 
for your favorite fur baby pet. Honestpets.co. Well, you found it. Honestpets.co. Not .com, .co. This is your go-to spot for the best, the cleanest pet treats that exist anywhere on the planet. All of the brands go through a rigorous review to make sure they meet the high standards of cleanliness, health benefits, and naturalness. This site was started by a husband and wife team, and it's veteran-owned, and that care about pets, especially dogs and cats, and coming soon, bird treats. These are very nice young people who really care about making a difference because a portion of proceeds go to support veteran organizations with a focus on service dogs. This is the place where you want to go, you want to tell your friends, this has the finest, yummiest, freshest, all-natural treats and stuff for your fur baby. So go there, honestpets.co honestpets.co. Do it now. Opportunity. What an opportunity. I'm going to use two four-letter words right now. Free gift. Free gift. Yes, you can have a copy of my best-selling book, The Joy of Living, How to Slay Stress and Be Happy, the ebook version for absolutely free. All you have to do is send an email to me, Barry, B-A-R-R-Y, at barryshore.com. And in the heading, the subject line, just write, free gift. (laughs) It's as easy as that. This is a life-changing, life-enhancing opportunity. Barry at barryshore.com. You'll be glad you did. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Free gift, do it now. Take the action, make it happen right now. Best wishes, bye. Good day, beautiful, bountiful, beloved, immortal beings, and good-looking people. Remember, you're good-looking because you're always looking for and finding the good. We found good in abundance. His name is Peter Nolan. He's talking about life, money, and about you because you want to be happier, healthier, and wealthier. So welcome back, Peter. Thank you for being here with us. We left off on a very high note called (laughs) the most litigious society in the history of the world, I believe. Uh, Maybe not, but I'm I'm making that statement for the moment because it is. I I don't think you're wrong. I think we live in the most litigious society in the history of the world. I mean, I can't imagine where, where else there was greater use of, of litigation in courts to uh, get what you want. Uh, actually, I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly because I said the words. And yet the, the story you just mentioned about somebody coming in, and let's even say that it was, in quotation marks, a setup. In other words, this nice person in a wheelchair didn't happen to come in and couldn't reach and didn't ask any of the associates to help and then went to a lawyer and said, mm, 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 as opposed to a potential, we don't know if it's true. Well, well, well for, for example, just, just to clarify that, we've had situations where they claim someone came into a restaurant in a wheelchair and we actually took out the film you know, because we, we have cameras in the restaurants and no one even attempted to come into the restaurant in a wheelchair that day. So, the, you know, they, they allege something happened on a particular day. And in fact, you know, no one, no, there's no evidence that anyone came there. And we, we show that to the attorney and they, you know, I guess the time, I mean, again, these, we get a couple of these a month. Uh, oh my gosh. 
you know, it, it's 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 a real issue. You asked me what are issues, and California is is a very very litigious uh, state. Uh, these our restaurants are in California, and uh, um, it, it's really you know it's it's really exploded. Um, you know, we 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 get you get people sue you over ADA compliance with your website. Right, you know that. No, I, you said right. No, what does that mean? How does that? No, you, you may have that exposure, Barry. Uh, for example, you know you have a you have a website. Is it ADA compliant? Or or what if I'm what if I'm blind? For example, uh, what 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 do you have on your website that would enable me to access whatever you have on your website? And so. Um, I don't want to admit right now because I've somebody, you know, this is being recorded. I'm not going to say a word. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, you know, though, that that's just, that's a day in the life. I mean, you just, there's constant. Uh, in California, it is uh, epidemic. In my okay, opinion. so this is, this is another E word. I use the word extortion. You're saying the word epidemic. And let's be blunt. California is a how should we say, um, in quotation marks, a model for a number of left-leaning states, governorships, et cetera, et cetera, in distinction from Florida, Texas, et cetera. Maybe yeah. even New York, by the way. New York may be that which follows right after uh, California. Like you just said, you didn't know that gas was a problem. A gas stove was a problem a few months ago, and all of a sudden, oh my gosh, the world is about to fall because we have gas. Gas is one of the greatest benefits to humanity because it is so relatively inexpensive and burns clean. Burns it's much clean. better than a coal mine and a coal plant. Right. And, and by the way, the other thing is, I, I mentioned earlier, the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Well, there are also four horsemen of the economic apocalypse, and they are inflation, deflation, confiscation, and catastrophe. Catastrophe means a world war, which happened, God, you know, we don't want everybody to think about that, but who knows because of the craziness that is being aligned right now between China and Russia getting together and with Iran thrown into the mix and a little sprinkle of North Korea, that's an alignment we don't like. We don't, it shouldn't be. And the thing that's happening in Ukraine is not a thing, it's a real war. But inflation and deflation, inflation we have, deflation is when you may have that R word, that recession issue. And when they happen in tandem, you can have real problems in the economy. And I want to mention something to you specifically that, again, it's it, it, this is potentially national, and I think it's going to be the tip of the spear will be California. There is now before the Supreme Court, and it's being pushed by some remarkably left, not left-leaning, they are the avowed communist senators like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders to create a wealth tax. Now, everybody knows that in the United States of America, we have an income tax. It happens to be an, a progressive one, and it's, uh, it affects people who make more money, more so than less money. A lot of people, 50 to 48 or 49 percent of people who earn income don't pay any tax. But there's now something that is being 
floated called the wealth tax. And that it's not what you earn in income. It's what is potentially an unrealized gain in your portfolio. The, world, the Wall Street Journal is talking about it. I'm reading, I'm following it. Uh, you're, you're a target, Peter Nolan. Let's be blunt. You, I want some thoughts on it. And what do you see as the potential of it ever happening? Well, it could, it could happen at the federal level. It could happen at the state level, right? You know, California is toyed with the idea of, of a wealth tax, right? And, and wealth tax is not only a tax on unrealized gains, but it could be just a tax on whatever you happen to have. So if you have a farm or a house or, or whatever it is you happen to own, you somehow have to uh, figure out what the value of that is and, and pay it in as a tax. They've been spectacular failures to raise money in uh, other countries. I know France uh, had a wealth tax uh, at one point, but, but almost any real country that's had a, a real wealth tax has abandoned it because, uh, you know, people... You know, the thing is, is that if California, for example, California has had a, and Barry, you correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's a net out migration in the last 24 months of about half a million people. Yes. Now, and by the way, one thing I don't understand is half a million people left my state, but we still have a housing crisis. That's that's a whole. Different... <laughs> yeah, so we'll talk about that. I, I, I honestly don't understand. I, I just right. don't explain. If half a million people left. Why isn't there half a million empty uh, uh, empty uh, structures somewhere? But but what's happened, you know, is is in California, you know, you've had a lot of issues that have driven people out of the state. And certainly the, the, we have the highest income tax in the country in the state of California. Um, and so uh, if, you, if you layer on a wealth tax, uh, that, that out-migration will only accelerate. And that's what happens in countries, right? You know, I mean, a lot of people left uh, France uh, when they uh, initiated the wealth tax and they went to Monaco or they went to Switzerland, and they went to a lot of different places. Um, and so, you know, it, it's really when, when, when they say that uh, a really rich guy only pays, you know, 3% tax, the truth is, is that they're basically taking the tax that they paid and dividing it by their wealth. It's not, it's not, you know, it's not their income. People pay significantly. And you only have to look, and I don't happen to have the statistics in front of me, but it's sort of like, you know, a very, very small percentage of the people pay the vast bulk of the taxes, both on the state and the federal level. Um, and so, you know, if you want, if you want to basically chase, chase away your producers, put in an additional tax, put in a wealth tax, and, and people will leave or they'll stop producing. Oh, so let's discuss this because this is a point that I think you're making that is so important. And I want people, we have, thank God, listeners around the world. The bulk of our listeners are outside the United States. I didn't everybody, know. everybody wants to come to the United States because this is a country built on opportunity. It's the O word. If there is any place in the world that is known for opportunity, it's the United States of America. Agreed? There's not a question. 
the, I just realized the word agreed is why some people come here. They, they emphasize the greed part, not the agreed. But the, my point is that everybody understands that America is built on opportunity. And the more that the opportunity becomes lessened and squeezed and hurt, well, not only do you not have people longing to come here, you don't get the best and the brightest. And the point that you made about, let's say, half a million people leaving California, it wasn't just a number, 500,000. They were mostly people who were producers. They were people who owned businesses or had a, a, a significant place in many businesses. They were capable of, of moving and starting another business, of doing something. They weren't just migrating away. They were people who were active in the economy. And that is really the, the critical issue. Uh, when you have, let's say, like the Elon Musks of the world, okay, the, it doesn't matter because the wealth is so great where he moves, but he physically moved, and he's thinking about, as he stated, moving Twitter headquarters and other places, and people are actually sometimes scratching their heads and say, well, wait, why should I stay here if all I'm doing is being beat up? So let's just talk in the few minutes we have remaining about this, this really powerful mindset that is the United States of America. Because so I want to talk, we talked about California and how it, that's a I'll call it, for want of a better term, a negative mindset. In other words, what can the state do to regulate, to use its power as a state to do things, whether they decide they have a bug up their butt, oh, we're going after gas, or whatever the particular issue is. And in California, there is a super majority in the legislature. So there's, there's, there's no issue about getting things passed. Well, a small thing, then we'll, I'll ask you the question again. The... the um, there was a, a, a measure to build desalination plants along the Pacific coast, which would help greatly because one of the major issues of the world, of the world, but especially in the Southwest right now, is water. There's just no question. Water is the most essential element in the world. I think you'd agree to that. Mm -hmm. I think you even have a, you have a business involved with water because it, it's just, it's fundamental. And yet the desalination plants, which we, which California could afford, were summarily dismissed by a board of only seven people, by the way. Six voted against it, one voted for it. Because it wasn't environmentally perfect. You hear this? Not just not so good, not environmentally perfect. But let's move away from California and tell me what you think, because you, you're a good, outgoing, smart, pleasant guy. You speak to a lot of people all over the country. What do you hear from other business people throughout the country? About what? About opportunity in the United States. Is there a in any way a drawing in of horns and saying, you know, I think I'm going to be much more cautious today than I've ever been. Well, I think, yeah, I, I do. I, I think in a lot of different categories, there's still a lot of pain to be extracted. Um, you know, in real estate, for example, uh, talking to people in commercial real estate, um, there's uh, 
you know, A, there's a lot of factors affecting that business. Number one factor, in, in my opinion, is, is interest rates. But for, for you know, offices, people, a lot of central city offices are, are, are you know, have relatively low occupancy. So you have low occupancy, you have high interest rates, higher, higher. We don't really have high interest rates yet. You just have higher interest rates. Uh, it can go higher even. Uh, and a lot of people had variable debt. And so, uh, you know, as far as new development, as far as uh, uh, what's going on in, in you know, urban areas, uh, people are, are very cautious. And I would say, the same thing is true in general, just, you know, where, you know, people are not spending as much on growth. Uh, they're, they're watching things more carefully. Um, we've had, it, it, the consumer has suffered from inflation, but so have businesses, you know, you, you have all your raw materials that you buy, whether you're running a restaurant, excuse me, whether you're running a restaurant or, or whether you're, uh, uh, manufacturing something, all your input costs have gone up. And a lot of times the price you pass on to the customer doesn't keep up with that inflation. So you get squeezed. Uh, yeah, I think, I think a lot of people in the political and academic world think that uh, business is easy. That it, it's that everyone everyone has a magic monopoly. Anybody that has a business has a magic monopoly to make money, and it exploits the worker or it exploits the customer. And the truth is just the opposite. No matter, right. you know, there are certain businesses that have meaningful advantages, but. Monopolies just don't last. And most business, 98% of businesses, uh, it's a knife fight. Every, every day you wake up and your competitors are after you and you have litigation and you have cost increases and you may have labor issues. You, you, just, you, you just have a whole host of issues, that challenges that you have to address. And it is not easy. Uh, I think that's one of the things that I've learned after doing this now for over 40 years is, is just, I have a profound respect for anyone that has built and that can run a business. And it's not to diminish what, what the employee does or all the other people at a company do, uh, because it does, it truly takes, it takes everyone to make these companies work, but it is just so darn hard out there. And it always has been, you know, I think that's the point. But again, on an upbeat note, you mentioned pain. That's the P word. I'd like to talk about still on the O word, which is opportunity. One never knows. Matter of fact, uh, I have a good friend who I respect tremendously who said, one of the reasons you see the stock market doing as well as it is right now, it's built on hope. And that hope is called ChatGBT and AI. It's being driven by this, this phenomenon that people think is, it's going to work. It's going to happen. And when the real numbers keep coming in and interest rates continue to increase, inflation probably will, and wages continue to be depressed and things happening, uh, I, I think you're right. There's a lot of pain. 
There's but, a lot of but, you know, you're right. Look, if you look at if you look at it over the course of my career, we had the dot com, we had robotics, we had the dot com boom, we had the internet boom. Uh, now we have uh, the uh, artificial intelligence and uh, and chat GPT, uh, hope and boom. And usually the market's right. Usually when the market says they're, they're going to be wrong, there's going to be certain instances where the market's going to be very wrong. But in general, the market's probably right that that we're about to enter a, you know, remember when the Internet, you know, you and I are old enough to remember when the Internet started and we're all, right. trying, we're all trying to figure <laughs> out how this is going to work and whether we're going to ever use it. And, and now look at us. We're, we're, we're talking over the Internet. Um, and, uh, and so I think with artificial intelligence, what the market has decided is it's real, it's here, it's going to have a profound impact. Uh, but what's going to happen is, is there going to be winners and losers. There's going to be certain companies that, that are, uh, playing in that end of the market that will not be successful. And then there's going to be other companies that are going to be tremendously successful. You know, they could be the next Apple, the next, uh, Amazon, the next Microsoft, and there are companies we've not even heard of yet. And, and that there's a real probability that'll happen. And one of the great things about this country is there's no place better in the world to try to make that happen. That's the note we want to complete this series with. And uh, God willing, you'll come back. Well, that's the I asked you two questions. I do it every time. Right. I know I know the answers already, but I'm going to do it anyway. So those people who've never heard Peter Nolan speak before. First question is, wonderful Peter, will you come back again? Barry, I'll come back if you ask me. I'm asking. Okay. And before the end of the year, so we'll we'll figure out what happens. We'll do a special show just on that. And the next question is, you have only 80 seconds to answer this. What is your most fervent desire? Well, uh, you know, it's it's the happiness and health of my family. But, you know, I, I am very concerned about uh, what's going on in the world. So, uh, you know, I guess I'm, I'm my desires for world peace. <laughs> that's, okay. a, that's a pretty, you know, Th that's a big one, Peter. And you're going to know. I know. I mean, look, look what was happening in Russia just a week ago. You know, again, it seems that summer is a time when when crazy things happen uh, and uh uh, but, you know, I, I just I, I do worry as we become more and more interconnected, uh, w w w there's really no place to hide. And and that's that's a big change that's taking place over our lifetime. You know, it, if you look at if you look at when I was, you know, in, in high school, we were connected and you did have threat of nuclear war. But but now we're really connected. The world is, right. um, the community has shrunk so much as a result of this technology. And, yeah, and, and this is only, uh, I'll say it in a wonderful way, we'll call this low-level technology today compared right. to what will be in your, your grandchildren's, my grandchildren's lifetime, because they'll be AI natives 
And again, on that wonderful note of artificial intelligence, I'm glad that we have not artificial intelligence, but real intelligence from Peter Nolan and your humble host, Barry Shaw, and the Joy of Living podcast, where we discuss the three fundamentals of life. Life has purpose. You lead a purpose-driven life. You go mad. You make a difference in the world. And number three is to unlock the power and the sequence of everyday words and terms so you can be happier, healthier, and wealthier by listening to what Peter has to say and being aware of opportunity. WWW. What a wonderful world. And it really is. What a wonderful world. Smile, seeing miracles in life every day, seeing miracles in everyday life, as my eight-year-old niece says. And go out and create the kind of world you want to live in, causing rethinking, enabling all to excel. Use the two most powerful words in the English language three times a day, every single day for now and the rest of your life. They are thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks, Dan, for to harmonize and nurture kindness. Peter wants world peace. It's incumbent upon each one of us to harmonize and nurture kindness. So on that wonderful note, we're going to do two things, a hug from Peter and Barry and a blessing. Our hug, hug stands for heartfelt, unlimited giving. One, two, three. And our blessing, go forth. Live exuberantly. Spread the seeds of joy, happiness, peace, and love. Go mad. Go make a difference. Peter, don't go away. Okay. Let me do this. Good day. Beautiful, bountiful, beloved, immortal beings, and good-looking people. Remember, you're good-looking because you're always looking for and finding the good. The good on insider tips on the joy of living. And we have an amazing guest today to give you insider tips on how you can build your future-focused business, because that's really what you want. See, if you're here at the moment in your business, you can get into what they call a rut. And really what you want to be is in a groove. You want to be in a flow. And the way to do that, in my humble opinion, is to work future-based. And we have one of the most focused, future-based leaders in the country, if not the world. Her name, full name is Ashley Haynes Gaspar. I'm privileged to call her Ashley. And we're just going to say hello and just dive right in. So Ashley, welcome to the Joy of Living Insider Tips. Thank you so much. I am thrilled to be here. Well, we love thrills. So let's just go right forward and, and talk about what is it. So you work with Lumens. Now, Lumens is one of the, the great companies of the world. It is a world-class company, and it happens to be headquartered in uh, the United States of America. And you are headquartered up in the Northwest because you've worked with Microsoft for many years and yeah. led many teams there. So let's just talk about the idea of leadership and about leaders. So what is the first thing that you would recommend for leaders to be able to grow a future-focused business? I think it comes down to two things. The first, tried and true strategy. It can be really alluring as leaders to focus on the here and now because we all get paid to deliver. Uh, deliver in month, in quarter, to deliver the year. This is how business works. And still, we need as leaders to hold space for our teams to dream. So I like to think about my time on three time horizons. I call them my T's and my D's. The first is time to dream, which is three years. The second, time to think, rolling 12 months. And then the last is time to do, which is in quarter. But let's talk specifically about dreaming. 
we as leaders get pulled in a million different directions. We have to hold space to understand who our customers need us to be, where's technology going, where is industry going, and figuring out who we need to be today to position ourselves for tomorrow. And that requires intentionality and time. The second thing, people. Organizations can be soulless places. And we have scar tissue from prior leaders. I know I do. Leaders who didn't know the difference between demanding and demeaning. And sometimes what can happen in organizations is people bring that forward into their work and they're, they're hesitant to put the idea forward because uh, mistakes may have been penalized in the past or a new idea might've been met with, uh, that's not how we do it here. So what's <laughs> really important is creating a culture where people are inspired to be their fullest version of themselves, the most authentic version of themselves. And what we like to do is create cultural operating systems that give people the psychological safety to be able to bring the best and most authentic version of themselves forward. Because when we do that, we unlock people. When we unlock people, we unlock teams. When we unlock teams, we unlock innovation and that unlocks results. So let's talk about unlocking employee potential. I don't even like personally the employee tag. Let's just talk about unlocking the human potential. What are the two or three steps that you can unlock that human oh, potential? I love it. I think it starts with unlocking potential in yourself. And I know I got better at unlocking potential in others when I took a hard look at who I am and how I human. I think uh, who we are is how we lead. We all have formative experiences in our life that shape our perspective, how we respond in situations of stress or conflict or when we feel threatened or when we feel... I don't know, like we're being condescended to pick your thing. We all have these learned patterns of behavior. And I think that ground zero for me was getting to the brass tacks of who I was and why I was that way. In my thirties, I deeply struggled with perfectionism. Um, I figured if I could look perfect, lead perfect, mother perfect, wife perfect, all the perfects, uh, I could make myself bulletproof from criticism. And that's what I was trying to avoid. And I learned that perfectionism is an unattainable goal. And it turns out people don't want to work for perfectionists all that much. <laughs> so figuring out how to stop hustling for the gold star in my own life, understanding who I am and the value that I bring as a human first really helped me to understand the impact that I had on others around me in different ways, which helped me to be more intentional and how I showed up when things were hard to be curious, um, to be supportive, to encourage, to ask what support looked like for me as we were navigating our way forward. And I found once I demonstrated that body posture shift, it started to unlock the human potential around me and people were more courageous in bringing forward their ideas. So this is wonderful because uh, I love acronyms. I work with acronyms. I've written a book, several books on acronyms. And the acronym we use for UP is Unlocking Potential. But let's talk it. about another amazing acronym and a word. It won't go into detail because of our time, but stress. If yeah. you want to talk about an unlocking potential, the opposite of that is the stress factor. So mm -hmm. how can leaders, real great leaders, diffuse and allow stress to be used for the benefit of the team as opposed to the detriment of the team? I think it comes down to two things. Let me start with this. 
our greatest job as leaders is to manage the energy of organizations. And you can't always be running up against a wall that burns people out. There have been times in my career where I have felt burnout. There have likely been times in everybody's career where they have been approaching the burnout wall. Um, the two things I like to do is to think about vitamins and painkillers. So vitamins are all about knowing your teams well. It's prevention. If you, Barry, were to say, you know, I have a goal to be with my family five nights a week for supper. My job as a leader is to know that about you and to check in on how that's going just as diligently as I check in on how you're doing and delivering your revenue targets. The second thing is a painkiller because things are hard sometimes and things can be stressful. And I find that naming it and normalizing conversations about it is so powerful. Um, so saying things like, this feels hard right now. This feels unsustainable. Am I right? Talk to me about how you're feeling. What do you need? And what is my role? Because what I've learned is people tell themselves stories when things are hard and stressful. Um, there can be shame associated when people are in struggle. And they may tell themselves stories. If I was a bigger leader, this wouldn't feel so hard. If I was a better human, I might be able to navigate this differently. And the reality is we all struggle. So normalizing the conversation and asking as a leader in those moments of intensity when things feel difficult, what I can do to support is such a power question of unlocking people. Especially from the point of view of the, the leader enabling others to recognize that even I as a leader, I'm vulnerable. And I, I love this word, the, the N word, naming it. Yeah. Because when you name something, it becomes real now. Oh, if I name it, we can deal with it. If you don't name it, then it's hidden and it's dark. But when yeah. you bring it out, speaking of light, L-U-M-E-N, Lumen, everybody, please go to www, remember what that stands for, what a wonderful world, dot L-U-M-E-N, lumen.com, lumen.com, because you will be illuminated. You will learn much about future-focused business and the genius of what we're dealing with today with wonderful ashley is orienting yourself and your team to making sure that business is future oriented because if you can see and visualize the future may not be exactly what you picture but guess what when you're getting there you'll say wait a minute this is familiar territory we can do this and now we can climb even higher is that true to say ashley I think that's absolutely true to say. I, I'm a big believer in visualization. I think you can't be what you can't picture. And I love this notion of shining lights in dark places because darkness can't grow where light shines, which is the power of having the conversations you need to have as a team, not the ones you want to have. By the way, team on the, the low level, everybody knows team stands for together, everyone achieves more. Mm -hmm. But in the joy of living, we know that team stands for together, everyone achieves miracles. <laughs> it's like the Ted Lasso moment where I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> Lumen.com, L-U-M-E-N, Lumen.com. Go there. You will be happy that you did. Now, I know you love the insider tips and you love dealing with Barry Shaw and you love Ashley, there's no question about that. Let's just give people a, a little taste of what you do as a leader in exciting 
your customers about the, what I call the T word. See, everybody thinks they want in more information. There's plenty of information out there. They want inspiration. Well, that comes and goes, but they really want the T word, which I call transformation. Mm -hmm. How do you excite your customers to understand that they're on a journey with you for transformation, which makes their business exponentially better? I think it comes down to three things. The first, empathy. Your customers need to know that you're listening. They need to know that you understand and they need to deeply feel that their goals are your goals, period. Uh, the second thing is you've got to involve them. Um, I love this analogy of Ikea furniture. I have Ikea furniture in my house that I probably should have gotten rid of years ago, but I hold on to it because I built it and because it's mine. So I think involving customers in the build of the transformation is so important because they've got incredible perspective. They can help you to know if you're on the right track or if you're not, they will always tell you the truth. Um, and you're, and you're future proofing it in a way because they're helping to ratify it and create it in the journey, which is powerful. And then the last piece is you've got to execute. Once you commit to it, you've got to align your people, your capital, your energy, your focus, your operating rhythms to ensure that you're delivering on the commitment that you've made around transforming your experience. So let's go back to what we'll call the human condition, mm -hmm. making a promise and keeping it, aligning with your customers in the sense that everybody knows you're in this together. There is no such thing as, well, this is us and this is you and you're, we're providing and you're the customer. It is one continuous flow. Fair to say? I think that's absolutely right. And, you know, this earlier discussion we were having around perfectionism, I want to aim for perfect every time with my customers. But when I don't get it right, my job is to make it right and to ensure that I am empowering every single employee in our organization with the right tools to do that. And one of the ways to do that is go to www.whatawonderfulworld.lumen.com. Lumen.com. We have only about 38 seconds, wonderful Ashley. So we're mm -hmm. going to ask you for a 38-second comment before we leave our wonderful, intrepid heroes. I would say I've been a student of leadership ever since I was a little girl. Uh, it was my dad and I's love language. I love to talk about leadership on LinkedIn. It's a great platform for doing it. If anybody wants to connect and follow to talk about leadership, I'd love to share my thoughts. I'd love for you to share yours. It's a great place for us to engage in conversation. That's why people tune in by the hundreds of thousands around the world to listen to insider tips from the joy of living. So our blessing from Ashley and Barry is go forth, live exuberantly, spread the seeds of joy, happiness, peace, and love. Go mad. Go make a difference. Thank you, wonderful Ashley. Thank you, Barry. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Joy of Living podcast. Now that's another step towards your healthier, happier, and wealthier life. Never hesitate to do good in the world, no matter what the situation. Join us for another upbeat discussion next time at BarryShore.com. And be sure to leave a rating and subscribe to the show to get more conversations like this. And remember to share it with your family and friends too. See you on the next episode.